Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me tonight is an experiencer. His name is Joe Plant. Joe, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Barbara. Well, excellent. Excellent. So you contacted me uh, about a month ago, I think, close mm-hmm. to, and you said you had some stories for us. So jump in wherever you want. Uh, tell it in whatever order you want. Don't worry if you forget something and have to go back because that happens to everybody. <laughs> I undoubtedly will will do that. Um, I'm actually having a hard time hearing myself, so I'm just going to put an ear, ear off here. Um, well, I guess I'll start at uh, where everything started for me, um, which is very young. I was about two and a half years old, and... Um, Uh, One of my earliest memories was um, my grandfather dying, actually, um, is my mom's dad. And I heard this primordial scream come from downstairs, and it was my mom. And and she got a phone call that her dad had passed. Um, And it was clearly an emotional upheaval in the house. Um, That night, um, I was not even sleeping. I was wide awake. And um, I had a two and a half foot tall white cricket appear at the end of my bed. And um, it was talking to me in my grandfather's voice. I'd, I'd met him a couple times. He lived on the West Coast. We were living in um, Amesbury, Massachusetts at the time. And um, so he told me that... Um, He's going to be with us and that he's going to be watching over us and everything is fine where he is. He's really comfortable and uh, to let my mom know that um, he's watching after us and everything is going to be okay. Um, So I woke up in the morning and I walked down and I didn't think anything really of it. Um, I thought this was a pretty, you know, I thought this was just an experience that kids have, I think, um, until I talked to my mom and she obviously lost it. She was crying and um, very emotional um, and was moved to the point of, um, you know, just shaking and, and, and really, really happy that, um, that I had an experience and was able to share with her some message from, from her father. Um, so one of the things that happened was, and this is, is something that's pretty formative, is that she she told me not to tell anybody. Obviously that was uh, really good advice. And, um, and I've noticed a theme on some of your podcasts where we're really early on. There's kind of like this message of, Oh, that's, that's really not something you should share with people. Um, and so I kind of retreated, um, as much as I could from sharing any of that with anybody. And so I kind of felt a little sense of, um, disconnected, I think at that point for, with the world, I felt like I was separated from, um, everyone else's experience. And my experience was, uh, something I couldn't share with anybody because it wasn't normal. It wasn't something that people talked about. Um, and so that, that carried on and, and looking back at my childhood now, um, from almost 40 years old, I can say that um, that definitely threw a wrench in things (laughs) as far as how I related to others. Um, And um, I had a lot of other experiences uh, throughout childhood that just didn't really add up. Um, One of them specifically I had forgotten for a while, but um, 
this has been a, a, a theme I'm trying to kind of reintegrate back into my life. And um, I was watching TV. I was five years old. Um, and again, my mother was in the other room and um, I was watching a television show. It was, it was probably 1987, 88. And um, there was a girl on a beach and she found a message in the bottle. And so we lived on a river. I, I told my mom just you know, announced to her, I'm going to go find a message in a bottle. And so um, she's like, okay, sure. And so I jumped down to the river, which was about 30 feet from where I was watching TV. And um, the first bottle I laid eyes on had a note in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow. And I, I knew that was weird as a kid. I knew that that right. was really strange. Um, and I felt like I had somehow manifested this bottle um, and it had a note in it from a girl from New York. And uh, I think she was nine or 10. And, um, and we wrote her back, of course. I don't think we ever heard back, um, but I'll never forget it. I just jumped off the seawall, our river wall. And um, the first bottle was just this green translucent bottle kind of in the river froth uh, with a bunch of other trash and styrofoam and, and whatever. And, um, and I, I was looking closely and it was pretty foggy, but I could see there was a cylinder note in it. Anyway, um, I'd forgotten about that for a really long time until recently, until the last couple of years. And I've actually used that message in a bottle um, experience to ask a lot of questions that I had been uncomfortable asking, you know, for a pretty long time. Um, just to give you some background, um, for the last 10 years, I've been studying psychology, I've been studying philosophy, I've been studying um, pretty much anything I can get my hands on um, in order to uh, try to connect some dots and, and make sense of the world, which still doesn't make much sense. <laughs> um, I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I think um, science is, is really um, falling short on is describing what consciousness is. And um, I think without knowing what consciousness is or where it comes from or uh, how it how it affects our experience. Um, there's a pretty giant gap in a lot of uh, scientific theory that, and and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not. Um, I think science is great, but I also think that there, this is kind of like the elephant in the room, um, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about the whole thing. I've I've heard I've heard probably about six episodes or seven episodes of your podcast, but I I don't think I've heard you go there. Well. Um, okay. I love science. If, if I'd been better in math, I'd be a scientist. Um, Mm. so I wasn't better in math. And so I write and make art and do podcasts and edit and stuff like that. Really good with words and, uh, images and colors, but I have taken a lot of psychology and most really good, uh, therapists will tell you that we're not really sure what consciousness has to do with anything as as meaning is it completely biologically produced like it's our brain and you know when we die and our brain shuts off gets no oxygen consciousness goes away that's it it's like turning Mm -hmm. off a light um 
most therapists I know don't actually believe that. Um, it's kind of amazing how many therapists have heard stories like yours and stories like mine. Um, people, it, therapists are very, okay, you get some that are very, very not open to this sort of thing, but right. most of them that I've dealt with have been. And, you know, they they don't know what the the things are that we're talking about, but they know that it, it happened to us. They can't right. tell us why it happened. They can't tell us how. Actually, they can tell us why sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of good psychological reasons why we have these things happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the psyche... The psyche is a really um, mysterious place, but um, our subconscious, my dreams have always been extremely strong. So I've always been informed um, about things that are happening in my life by my dreams. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like I've been, uh, there's been a lot of foreshadowing that's happened in my life through dreams. And, um, and so I'm, I'm curious about the soul's role or um, our uh, whatever guides us, whatever um, higher, um, higher frequencies or support we have outside of ourselves. Um, how, how does that um, give us premonitions? How does that, how does that inform our intuition? Um, how, how do our dreams um, foreshadow uh, things that are, that are happening in our lives or, or, um, or give us insights to what we might need to work on, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm really, really interested in all that. And um, I am currently mentoring under a guy named uh, Dr. Edward Tick, who is a, a soul therapist. Uh, he's, a, a, he's a soul medicine. Um, he's reviving soul medicine. Um, I've mm -hmm. heard of Bluppios, I'm sure. Um, um, the god of, of healing uh, medicine, god of medicine in ancient Greece. And so um, he does uh, these pilgrimages to, to ancient Greece and goes to Epidauros. And I'm going with him in October to um, do some dream incubation. Um, and uh, so I've been mentoring underneath him as a writer, as a, um, as a um, somebody who's extremely interested in psychology and philosophy and, and uh, mythology. Um, He's, he's just kind of like the full package. He's, you know, 72 years old and has been doing this for over 40 years and as a psychotherapist and, uh, and an international healer. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, I, I think that, uh, it's probably an appropriate time to jump back and, and give you an idea of like how, how things progressed a little bit. Um, so Around the time of, uh, I think I must have been 20 years old, um, I was put on uh, some medications because I had just broken my back. And so I was, um, I was on uh, Percocets back in the early 2000s when they gave you like buckets of all that stuff and Valium and they, uh, they were also trying to put me on Trazodone um, mm. so, I could, so I could sleep because of my back pain. And, um, and one of the, I didn't know if it was a side effect of the trazodone or what, um, but I had a full on experience like, um, where I had eight deceased people standing over me that looked like they died horrible deaths and they're all standing around me and, um, I'm laying in my bed wide awake and just looking up and I'm just like, wow, this I didn't move. I didn't know what to say. I just kind of froze. And, um, 
and I was taking it all in and then a red cloud appeared in front of my face and it was an Indian. And, um, I actually am um, producing a documentary right now, um, with some native Americans of the, um, Shoshone tribe and, uh, the Mohicans. And I'm also working with, with my mentor and, uh, somebody from Africa, from this ancient African lineage. I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but it's painting a picture. I'm sure. Um, so, so I was talking to Zelda last night about, about, uh, this, this image and, and this came up during the story and she's like, Oh, you saw red cloud. And I was like, who? Red, so red <laughs> cloud is a, is an Indian, a, a, you know, I'm a native American, mm -hmm. um, uh, legend of sorts. Um, I don't know anything about him actually. Um, or about Red Cloud, and I would love to know more. So um, I'm going to be looking into that. Um, anyway, that just happened last night, so I figured that was noteworthy. Yeah, definitely noteworthy. Um, that's really that's really cool image too. Now, did did the did the dead people who were staring at you? Did they ever say anything, or did they just no. stare at you? Nope. It was this. It was this eerie silence. It was just oh boy, you know. And they were all. It looked like. 1500s, 1600s sort of um, um, clothing and the way that they were standing, their posture just looked very stoic and, um, you know, kind of rigid, I guess is the way you'd put it. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was another experience. And at this point, I am like shoving every single aspect of myself that has those abilities down as far as it will go because... <laughs> It was just terrifying, you know. Um, I couldn't really yeah. talk to anybody about it. I couldn't talk to my doctor about it, that's for sure. Um, and I couldn't, um, and I didn't really trust psychology, uh, uh, psychotherapists. I didn't trust therapists at this point in my life. I was uh, um, a rebel, twenty-one-year-old rock and roller that was also in extreme sports. I just. I, the people I surrounded myself with just weren't into esoteric stuff. Like there was, it was right. more about, um, young male macho ego stuff, right? <laughs> you know, and, uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. So yeah, that's, that was my twenties. <laughs> yeah. So, so for about my whole twenties, everything kind of took a backseat until I started having serious health problems. Um, and my health problems were, uh, they, they came up from food poisoning, um, and mostly to do with pesticides. Um, mm. and I am highly allergic to pesticides as it turns out. Um, I was brewing beer, uh, for much of my twenties. And I, so I was basically concentrating, uh, glyphosate and double IPAs and, um, and poisoned myself pretty good. Oh. Um, had some pretty horrible health problems as a result. And, um, and, uh, needless to say, uh, trauma after trauma after trauma with how the Western medical system, uh, treated me, um, which was, uh, just giving me steroids and, and things that really didn't help my system. It just, it really wrecked me. And, um, so I had to learn how to put myself back together again. And, um, this is where my mom reenters the picture, um, into these stories anyway, and had a dream that, um, she was going to open up a crystals, rocks, and mineral shop in an old train station. And she woke up knowing that was going to be her destiny. 
Um, she opened up the paper, and one of the first things she came across was no one knew it even existed, an old train station in Amesbury, Massachusetts that had been shut down for like 80 years, and it was for sale. And so she quit her job of 18 years and bought a crystals, rocks, and minerals shop and followed her literal dream and opened this shop. Um, so that's what introduced me to all of these healers just started gravitating towards my mom's shop. And I had been dealing strictly with Western medical system at this point. Um, so... Um, I, I got to work with shamans uh, from Peru. I got to work with um, some Native Americans. I also worked with um, Reiki and um, a lot of meditation, visualization, energetic um, focus healing. And um, that, was, um, that was what I needed, but it took me about another six, seven years to really kind of um, find my power again and, and uh, also detox from uh the bullshit of the world uh, there we go first See, square it's, it's okay <laughs> it's okay it really is don't worry about it and yeah it's bullshit so it's yeah. not like you're lying <laughs> no <laughs> wasn't exactly like a uh, flagrant flagrant misuse of the word but nope nope um so so uh, that's so about eight nine years ago, I, I really started getting into reading Alan Watts, and then f philosophy was just this kind of huge oyster that I, I needed to get to. And um, I am very very uh, thrilled with how things are turning out now. Um, I'm very happy with um, the synchronicities that are happening, and um, and actually most of what I wanted to talk to you about today is in the synchronicity department. Okay. So back in November, 2022, not that long ago, um, I was really starting to get somewhere with my meditations. I, I was breaking through and, um, losing myself, my identity anyway. Um, and deep in these deep meditations, I had names that just started coming to me what was different about this than any other thought that just randomly would come into your head during a meditation was that I knew that these were gifts. I knew that I was being gifted, um, insights to where my future was going. And, um, the first name I got was, um, uh, a, a guy who lives up the street here. His name is Ipsahu and Ipsahu is, uh, is a, I had, I didn't know this at the time, uh, but he is part of a African Dogon um, Dogon uh, lineage. Um, they call themselves the Earth Center in America, um, but they they spread this uh, philosophy, which actually informed ancient Greece. Um, so I re I reached out to him. I'm bobbing back and forth here, so bear with me. But um, I reached out to him and I said, "Look, I have no idea why I'm reaching out to you. I just know that for whatever reason, we need to talk." We'd worked on some stuff like two years back. Um, I produced some videos for his yoga practice. And I knew him as a yoga and a healing master. I didn't know him as um, really the person I know, uh, know today. And um, what I didn't know was um, in that two years, I hadn't talked to him. He had just taken his own healing pilgrimage to Africa and had been and asked his ancestors to send him people. 
He was part of this huge ritual and asked, asked his ancestors to send him people. And so I'm hitting him up like a month later. And he, and he was like, yep, my ancestors sent you. Let's talk. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, this is like, it's still fun. It's still pretty shocking to talk about it today. Um, you know, I know I'm in good company, but, um, when I, you know, I tell other people this stuff, they're like, what now? <laughs> um, and this is the weird thing is, is that there was other names that came to me this week. Um, actually one of them was one of your guests in the last uh, few months and that's Haley, who is my girlfriend now. And that's random because I never knew who Haley was. Um, her name was completely formed in my head and I only knew her as a friend on Facebook I never was creeping her profile. I wasn't like, there was no seed of this, this might be somebody that I'm going to date some point in the future. There was nothing like that. It was random name. And then I had to look up her last name because her, her last name, uh, I, I don't know if I should share it, but, um, anyway, it, it was a, it's a particular name. And, um, and I was like, that's a really interesting name. I wonder where that comes from. So I looked up like the, the lineage of, of her last name. And, um, so I hit her up like every normal thing at three 30 in the morning <laughs> on Facebook, you know, cause that goes really well usually. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, she got back to me, I think a couple days later and, and I told her, I was like, look, I have no idea why I'm reaching out to you, but your name just came to me in a meditation. So I feel like we're, we're destined to talk about something. I have no idea why let's, let's get together. And if you want and see what happens as creepy and as weird as that is, she was like, yeah, actually what's weird is that I've been thinking I need to talk to you too. So this is, this is number two that week. Um, and so we met, she was in a relationship at the time and, um, and she was not really unhappy with uh, with the relationship. It was, you know, pretty abusive. And um, I was giving her uh, the support as another human being to just listen to her gut and and to get out of it if it if it seems like the right idea. Um, and um, you know that the universe will support her making these decisions if if she uh, takes action on them. And um, and I had no idea that in two and a half months, I'd be, uh, her boyfriend. <laughs> Even when we met, I, when I saw her, when I saw her for the first time, I'm like, I recognize those eyes. This is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, it was cosmic, you know? And, um, so that's number two. Um, number three is, um, of course I was reading, uh, plenty of Joseph Campbell because he fits into all this. Um, and I was reading his autobiography and the Theosophical Society was mentioned. And I was really curious about that. I'm like, what is a Theosophical Society? It, I would love to find a community where people talk about this stuff. Um, and so I joined and um, they welcomed me right into the group and talked to them for whatever it was, two hours. And at the end of the meeting, I don't know how this happened. I just had, uh, I blurted out, I'm looking for a mentor. And I had no idea where it came from. It just came out of my mouth. And I knew that it's something that I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and so the everyone in the group was just was like, oh, you're your best mentor. And 
Um, and I said, yeah, but I think that uh, it came out of my mouth for another reason. And um, I'm curious to to see if anyone has any um, elders or anything that I could talk to that, that has experience with psychology and philosophy and mythology. I'm really looking to, to make this my life now. Um, as a storyteller, it's this is the most fascinating, rich and you know, um, rich content that I've ever come across. Um, and and so about ten minutes later, I got an email, and this guy that was in the meeting said, "Hey, you mentioned Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell, and how you're you know really into them, and um, you should check out this guy, uh, Doctor Edward Tick. He's um, and so I was like, okay, I checked him out and. You know, he definitely checked a few boxes um, and I reached out to him and he was about to leave for Greece for this pilgrimage where he's um, taking some of uh, his mentees or um, or people looking to be healed through Asclepian dream incubation. And um, and we we kind of hit it off, but really didn't know if, if this was going to be something that worked out. Obviously, it's kind of a big commitment on both parties to to commit to something like that. And so we talked over the course of a few months, he got back. Um, and then we started talking and that's when stuff got really weird. Um, as if this wasn't weird enough already. (laughs) Um, so what happened is he asked me just point blank, just wanted to cut straight to it. So why do you want me to mentor you? And I said, all I can tell you is that there's been synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity happening just in the week that I reached out to you. Um, and I'm just following it. I'm listening and, um, it seems to be leading me on this path that I had, that I'm really feeling invigorated by. I'm remembering what this felt like as a kid. And I remember this like pull to, for lack of a better word. Um, and he said, interesting. Um, well, why, why do you really want a mentorship? And I was like, you know, I haven't even given it any thought, but if I had to think, uh, you know, I think it, I could probably draw a line straight back to Robert Bly's book, Iron John. Um, and he just fell out of his chair because his mentor was Robert, Robert Bly. Bly. And I've got goosebumps now. Like I'm, this is like, I'm, yeah, it's just too weird. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when when I usually find that when the, the universe starts throwing them at you thick and fast like that, just go with it. You know, especially since you're being sent in good directions. Of course, you know? yeah. It's, it's a- not sending you to your destruction and doom. Uh, <laughs> so you're, so <laughs> no, you're, like, you're doing fine. Yeah. It's not like go go light a canoe on fire and you know take it downtown down the stream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not giving you stupid ideas or right. anything like that. When you were meditating and you got these words, did it come in any particular voice? No, um, it was it was almost as if it was it could have been perceived as just a passing thought, but I knew it to be more than that. You know, it was, it came in that form. It wasn't like, you know, the voice of God or like, you know, this, like, um, but I've had plenty of, 
voices just pop into my experience. Um, I see, I hear, um, and that's when when my defenses not defenses when I'm open. Let's just put it that way. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. When I'm open, um, and um, as somebody who was an addict who uh, did had a lot of self destructive tendencies for a really long time. I had all sorts of uh, underworld shadow stuff, um, demons, lower vibrational um, experiences, and we can get to that, but that's its own program probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can always come back and, and you know, give <laughs> well, a different thematically, uh, you know, uh, different theme on your stories, so that's cool. Yeah, I think we could probably hit this from a few different angles at this point, but um, I uh, I feel really blessed. Like I feel, I and I and I honestly feel like not the cliche that oh everything happens for a reason and uh, I don't regret anything, but I really believe that now. I, I really honestly um, had a moment where um, I knew that everything had lined up just the way, just so perfect. So I suffered perfect amount <laughs> or yeah. whatever um to really understand a lot of things about psychology um by through my own psychology um mm -hmm. i i've been reading psychology for eight years what what gave me the ultimate insight into psychology was like borderline psychosis right mm -hmm. uh, my own my own personal borderline psychosis and and what and what that ended up transforming into while I was going through it, when I was able to take responsibility for the world, the world I was creating, it was coming right back at me. Mm -hmm. My fears were right in front of me, manifesting into like beasts. Yeah. And um, and so um, I've got quite an imagination as a as a creator, and um, at least that's that was the excuse when I was a kid too that I've got a you know a really, really, uh, active imagination. But, um, now I'm coming to terms with all of this stuff. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm bringing my parents into, into this, like, um, this story, um, uh, by my, I work with my dad. Um, I've been working with him for 25 years and he's never been, um, somebody to like support any of this wild stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very like practical and, um, He's, he's a very soulful guy. He's an artist himself. Um, but I just think it's where he comes from. You know, it's like some things he just didn't know. I don't think that, I think that that uncertainty is uncomfortable for certain people. And, mm -hmm. um, there's not really language really doesn't do it justice. So, um, so I feel like, um, words, words can get you to a certain point, but they're going to ultimately not be able to sum the whole thing up. And yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, so, and there yeah. are people who are like the opposite of woo that right. are non woo, but not in the let's stamp out the woo kind of way. Right. Much right. more like, oh, now I've never seen anything like that. And, and I've never experienced that. And, you know, that, that, that's, let, let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. That's exactly uh, let's, it. let's 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 just edge away from the woo and and not even you know because you know not everybody who is anti woo is like you know burn the witch. Right. <laughs> there's there's a big gray area in between, you know. 
It's true. I, I uh, this this whole woke virus thing is is like oh. I heard I heard that and I was like, oh no, <laughs> that's that's like ugh. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stay out of politics, but I think I think I pretty much know where your audience leans. But um, I don't like either party, so I'm just gonna put that out there. So, um, but one's one's uh, pretty pretty freaking awful yeah. by comparison. Yeah. 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 So. Um, you can disagree with the other one in a sensible, rational fashion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the one right. that's really terrible is kind of like, mm, you know, I can't even talk to you right now. I know. Yeah. You're, in you're fact, not I'm being like, rational at all. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to sit over here. <laughs> you know, woke is bad because being decent to other humans is bad. Okay. You know what? Just no. Not yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah, we could, oh, if we get sidetracked on that, I could go forever. So we're not going to do that. Yeah, let's not get angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see, where do I pick it up here? Um, I think, I think it's just been uh, a rapid onslaught of um, synchronicity after synchronicity. What, when the, when all the, this all started happening, when I actually first, when I started talking to Haley, the number 44 or 444 or 4444 just showed up all day, every day, right in front of us at the weirdest times um, and the strangest of things. And I, I, I do a lot of recording. So um, I wrote a song and it ended at 444 on the dot. Um, I just, uh, my battery ran out while I was filming some stuff for the documentary last night at 2444. Right. And so that was the size of my file. Haley and I were talking about this is so weird that we're seeing 444 everywhere. And we're both just talking about how ridiculous it is. And there's nothing anywhere around. We're in this like New Hampshire road and there's no one any anywhere. It's just this long stretch of road. This guy, this kid is like falling off this skateboard and it's a, like a highway. It's like a 55 mile an hour road. And so we're going slowly around him. And as we're, as the words are leaving our mouth, this is weird. The kid has a helmet on and the back of his helmet is a sticker that is about the size of a cantaloupe. And it says four, four, four. Oh my God. That's it. Uh, uh, uh. Like what? Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, one of my other guests, um, Guy Merritt, he's had a lot of weird experiences and 444, once he started having those experiences, 444 started jumping in front of him. Yep. And well, there's a... Yeah. Mm. You know. Yeah. I, I, apparently, I've got a lot of friends that um, grew up and they had had the same 444 thing where it just kept happening all the time. It must have been like on on uh, burn runs or whatever they were doing when they were kids, and they were four four four. And um, anyway, he'd forgotten about it for twenty five years. I'm in a band with him, and I mentioned it. I was just like, "It's insane! It's happening all the time." And he was like, "That's funny, you know." My friends and I had a four 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 thing, and uh, in numerology, it's like uh, uh, creative manifestations, um, uh, helping the world. Um, you know, some generic angel number stuff, obviously, um, right. but, but also um, some pretty strong aspects of who I am and where I'm going with my life. Right. It's, you know, it's very pointed at the same time. Um, 
I would need to have it in front of me to, to talk about those finer points. But, um, so, um, I, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm like curious. I, you mentioned in one of your episodes about, um, about having a relationship with, with your mom, right. That, that, um, where she, she, you and her had that bond over when we, when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. When you were a kid. Yeah. And yeah. I'd wake up on a Saturday morning and think to myself, Oh, you know, we should, we should go see, you know, my cousins and maybe go out with them. And then she'd come in, get up, get up, get dressed. We're going to go see your, we're going to go see your cousins. And then we're going to go to Kmart with aunt Nancy. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, um, or I'd, it was always in the morning though. It mm -hmm. almost always was in the morning when I was half asleep. And so as I was waking up, I would have this idea in my head that, oh yeah, um, we're supposed to go see grandma and grandpa, but I don't know if that's gonna, I, I think, I don't know. I don't think that's gonna happen. And then, you know, we'd find out that m there was a problem with mom's car. So I'd go hang out with Graham up the street instead, you know. So it, you know, and it happened m more and more often up until I got to be about 14. It was, it was happening. So between the ages of about four to 14, so about 10 years, and then 14 and 15 happened and I got a boyfriend and that was, yeah, she just, mm, did not wish me to grow up, so it just went bad. So oh, I hear you. Just, just went, went, went to shit, as as uh, <laughs> she would herself say. <coughs> well, at least she's honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She is. I'll give her that. <laughs> um, but yeah, weird, weird stuff like that. Um, I also dreamed of both of my husbands. No kidding. Yes. Um, wow. I, I dreamed of the first one when I was five, and I dreamed a situation that exactly happened when I was 15. Um, and wow. then, yeah. And then when I was 14, I had dreamt of him and his father talking sort of over my head to another entity. And it was so weird because I didn't even know what his father looked like. I barely knew him as a person. We'd known each other as, as kids in like fifth and sixth grade. And then he went to different schools. And then I started um, high school and he was in a different school, but then came back to my high school. And I never had liked him. So I was kind of confused as to why I had dreamed about him. And then the first time I met his dad after we had, you know, gotten together, I was like, Oh my God, it's that guy, you know, wow. and then I realized it was his dad. And so that was weird. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the, I think the, the other times I've dreamed things that have happened has always been closer to the event itself 
And it's almost always it was something small or, or strange. You know, I basically said that the way that my precognitive ability works in dreams is it's it's usually, you know, it's pretty much the most useless superpower. It tells you what's going to happen the next day in a symbolic form, you know, and it's never anything useful. Um, except, except when I dreamed about finding a wolf by the side of the road and the next day we found a husky, a stray husky running around starved. Get out. And yeah, she was about to run in front of a truck. So, like, wow. I just dashed into the road with my jacket on and grabbed her, figuring that if I get bit, I get bit. But it's a leather jacket, so I probably won't. It probably won't go all the way through. You know? Right. But she didn't. Once I got a hold of her, she just basically went limp. And you know, I carried her back. We ran out of uh, gas. Dream didn't tell us that part. That might have been useful. <laughs> that if you, you know, that you're going to run out of gas. But no, no, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's my it's my not very super superpower. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, my my dreams are. I think, and this is pretty. Uh, I think this is pretty normal. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Um, but it's pretty consistent that you know our dreams are masked like ten ways to Sunday, mm -hmm. right? Um, like as far as what it means, it's like navigating uh, a pretty a peculiar set of set of things, and it really is about our own human interpretation of it, as far as I understand it. Near it as I know, can figure, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, it's, 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 I think it, I think it probably mostly matters to how we perceive it and how, and how, what would it mean to us at that point in our lives? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or it could be something that's just like a little seed that's 10 years down the road, then you'll get it mm -hmm. right. When you're in that place, you'll understand what that dream, what that dream meant. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, because I'm working with, uh, with, uh, Ed, uh, Dr. Tick, he is um, really just a master of um, of dream reading and um, and asking the right set of questions to get to get the to get me thinking in in uh, in, in all the different ways to kind of um, pinpoint what they mean. I mean, I used to have dreams as a kid, and this is this is weird. Um, when I was a kid, I had dreams all the time that I would I was outside of my house and right on the edge of the woods there would be a pack of wolves that came and they would corner me and circle me and then be ready to attack. And, um, I had these dreams over and over and over and over again. And the only person that could save me from the wolves was my dad. Um, I was really young. I was like four, five. Um, and this happened, uh, up until about the time I was 10. And, um, I just went to a native American gathering, uh, uh, a corn, a corn ceremony with, with my father actually. And, um, and we were on the way down there and I had pulled some, um, tarot, tarot cards from, um, from a animal totem deck mm -hmm. and, um, and my, and sure enough, wolf first, first card, I just mm -hmm. split the deck. Wolf was right there. And, um, and I was like, well, of course, um, another weird thing is that, um, unbeknownst to me, we're, my band at the time when I was about 24 was playing a festival and, um, my guitar player, we were all high or whatever. And, and he's just like, give it up for the Wolfman Joe on bass. So he dubbed me the Wolfman just as like this, like kind of, you know, side, side comment. 
and um, had no idea about my dreams or anything like that. Um, the weird part is, as a, as as you noticed, I'm jumping all over the place. But um, the weird part about driving with my dad to uh, to this Native American gathering was, I brought up the wolf card, and I said, "Yeah, I of course my my totem's a, a wolf because I had all these dreams as a kid that I was attacked by wolves, and you were the only one that could save me." And he's like, "I had wolf dreams as a kid. I had mm-hmm. over and over again. They were I was terrorized by packs of wolves." And so that's interesting. Like, um, I know it's a, it's an archetype. Um, you know, it's a, a pretty widely known, uh, dream, uh, an archetypal dream. And, um, and native Americans have a way of looking at it. you know, I think different animals mean different things in different parts of the world. Um, but, um, I was really curious about that. And, um, and so I thought I found it peculiar that my dad had also have had wolf dreams. And so I brought that up to Zelda who we met at the, at this corn ceremony, um, just to remind uh, people listening that Zelda is the native American woman I was just with last night. Um, and, uh, she's, uh, the Shoshone and, um, I'm working with her on this documentary. And so we're getting together all the time now. And, um, she's just so powerful. Like you know, she channeled me yesterday while she was recording and was reading the inside of my soul <laughs> and, and just giving me a perfect take. Like they never happen. The perfect take never happens in video production. It's just, uh, editing usually that mm-hmm. will get the right thing at the right time. You'll, the person will be in a flow state. You use that and you don't really use the rest of it. Right. Right. And, um, but this was just one 10 minutes later, she came out of it and she had made the documentary first episode just like gold. And um, so she's one of those intuitive people. And um, so those are the types of people I'm trying to surround myself with now that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm really trying to understand how to master uh, whatever weird skill set this is. <laughs> so, and, um, yeah, I'm curious, uh, I'm curious to like hear, uh, about what you think about the soul. Um, because I've been having this conversation a lot with people and it's, it gets, it's interesting where people go with it. Um, well, the first thing I want to say is sometimes you can have familial totemic energies that mm. go down a family line. So that could rep, you know, explain your father and you know if you had access to your grandfather it's possible he had the same dreams or your grandmother Mm. um the soul to me is the part of us that continues and i i don't believe there's seven souls like the egyptians did um as much as i love that poem by william s burroughs it I don't think it's actually seven and they all have these, you know, very discreet purposes and things that they do. Uh, but I do think that, that we contain multitudes somehow. Um, I think that we have ancestors that are with us. We Absolutely. have, yeah. Ancestral voices, ancestral spirits, we have uh, very 
we have connections with everything. I do believe that we are connected. You know, each individual is connected to everything else. I believe yes. that too. Some of the connections are, you know, some people feel it more than others. And some connections are stronger than others. And some people don't actually feel their connections until something happens. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Whoa. Um, so I think what I actually believe is the universe itself is God. Mm. That's, that's the big, we can't really understand it, part of God. Right. And like it, Brahman, the Brahman it, version? Yes, that yep. blew himself up into all these pieces to experience everything instead of just being one thing, being all the things and having every experience and understanding all of these, these different ways of being because of experiencing it. And I do think that the reason that we're born is to, to help that process along, to experience things ourselves, to experience, you know, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. I'm very Buddhist about things. Me too. It's yeah. like life is suffering. It's true. It's, it's true. true. Yeah. But it is also joy. Absolutely. And you, in order to navigate the suffering, you have to let go and mm -hmm. just be. And I found that in the times when I've been able to just let go and be are the times that I've been able to feel that connection with all of the things and, and everything. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I learned how to become part of the woods. Just sit still and quiet long enough that I became part of the tree I was leaning up against or part of the rock that I was sitting up against. Mm. And I'd see the most amazing things. You know, the animals and the plants, I would notice these tiny details everywhere around. Sometimes I could close my eyes and feel the details and then open them and see them. Like, you know, oh, I didn't know there was, you know, in my mind there was a water bug running across the, this little bit of creek where I'm sitting next to, and I open my eyes and, you know, there's, there's a water dancer doing its thing, you know, being weird. <laughs> my favorites were the, the ones that sort of skate in a circle. Mm -hmm. I always called those dancers. I don't actually know what they're supposed to be called. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, I could listen and hear things from far away and I realized that if you can sit and be quiet in yourself, you can sort of tap into all sorts of things, you know, animals, plants. Um, I always was good with animals, um, mm -hmm. better with those than people when I was a kid, really. Um, so, you know, <laughs> my grandfather took, you know, he made use of that when I was on the farm. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. because he'd have, you know, he'd have cows that yearling cows, their mothers would have a new calf and he'd have to take the yearling away. And they, you know, they didn't like it. Sometimes they were, they wouldn't eat after they'd been taken away from their mothers. 
And so he'd send me out to, you know, basically calm them down and, and chill them out because he caught me, you know, one time sitting on a fence with this young cow just leaned up against me and I was feeding her handfuls <laughs> of, of uh, clover. And he was like, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, she was hungry. He said, yeah, she hasn't been eating because she's upset about her mother. I said, yeah. He's like, she stopped bawling, you know, because she would just, uh, she no was just kidding. yelling for her mom. Aww, and I said, well, that's why I came out here. She was sad. And he was like, okay. So the next time that's happened, well, we'll just, you know, make the kid go out and, and talk to it. Although he hardly ever had to ask me first. I'd just go and do it. Um, you know, it's just a, it's, it's just, and I think that all of us have souls. Uh-huh. It's just they're different. Um, they, they feel different. They have different experiences, different languages. Um, and I do think that um, the soul carries knowledge from Absolutely. each existence it's had. Mm-hmm. But we're not allowed to tap into that just as a regular thing because then, you know, that's like reading the end of the book first. Right. You know, <laughs> so it messes everything right. up. I think that's why we're not actually supposed to remember from life to life particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel th- about the soul that it, it is, it is us and it is everything else. And we're tied together and whatever fate. Um, the earth has, we too will have. So mm. that's, that's, that's actually what my documentary is, or uh, my, my team's documentary is exploring. Um, we're exploring the relationship between, um, the stories that we, that we tell ourselves, um, and this, and our relationship to the world, um, is actually our, our relationship. There's a, there's a reflection of ourselves in there as well our relationship with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. If, if our relationship with ourselves is, is off the way in which we, we operate in the world and view the world is, uh, is, uh, also, um, challenged usually. Um, yeah. you know, I think that a lot of, um, a lot of the, the stories you hear in the media, and I'm, I'm speaking as somebody that's been in, um, marketing and, and, uh, video production for 25 years it's like horrifying um, knowing what they're doing on purpose, you know, which it, which is uh, really stoking cynicism and fear mm-hmm. and um, and really and really uh, um, taking advantage of our lower qualities um, and keeping mm-hmm. us keeping us tied to those those, um, you know, um, not so great qualities. Um, yeah. It, that's what keeps us fighting against each other and and uh, and not paying attention to the planet because we're just trying to survive and make fun of people on Facebook and feel better than that people. And uh, I'm I'm not trying to project on, that onto everybody and generalize, of course. But uh, you know that is uh, that is you know as far as I can tell, the experience on Facebook. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, I, I'm no saint. Um, yeah, me neither. But <laughs> and I can be cynical as hell. Mm-hmm. Like this whole disclosure Same. thing, everybody is like, finally, I'm like, no, dude, oh, I I, I've seen this like seven Sorry. times in my lifetime already, y'all. Yeah, just, just exactly. The government ain't going to tell us anything, and if they do, it's a lie. Yeah. So just let that go. We found exactly. that out when Kennedy died. All right, y'all? Mm-hmm. Come on. 
now. Just just let that go. Seriously. I feel like I, I need to have the song from Elsa just ready to go. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go, y'all. Stop. Because <laughs> you're going to get disappointed. <laughs> no but, kidding. Yeah. How uh, would you like this round of counter counterintelligence to go? <laughs> exactly. It's like, the only the only thing you need to know from the government is that they their counterintelligence is like a huge part of their budget, right? Uh, probably, so. you know, that's at least a third of the military budget, at least. Oh, at least, right? It's you know, dissemination they, they, of information to their citizens. <laughs> not even to mention everywhere else. I mean, right. one of the things, just as somebody who used to live and work. In, in the area of Washington, D.C., they let the citizens do the job for them. You know, right. that's, that's why a lot of the UFO lore is kind of tainted by disinformation because, man, they, they just let people run with it. And if citizens will write books and have these theories and promulgate them for them, well, then it makes their job so much easier. And then it passes through Americans into the rest of the world, you know, because of course UFOs are not just an American thing. Right. They are a worldwide phenomena. So mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm sure that other governments play games too with, Absolutely. with disinformation. I mean, it's just, it's just what it does. I think there's got to be probably some element of truth to uh, this new disclosure. BS. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sure, I'm, you know, the thing that I'm noticing from uh, the government now is um, they'll just lie straight to our face. They won't even lie. They'll just tell us exactly how they're going to screw us right straight to our face. <laughs> yeah. And and so and so that's new. Right. Yeah. They actually used to try to cover up their lies. Now they're just like, here's here's how we're going to do it to you. So, um, and, and people are like, yeah, against my interests. <laughs> Perfect. Like, why do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think it really, truly, the fear amping really started after nine 11, really absolutely. in a professional sense. Um, and, and I remember just watching it going, y'all, why are you swallowing this? Y'all, come know. on, come on, man, come on, why? So convenient um, and, for, for business interests. <laughs> and, and, you know, I used to be a journalist and, and I stopped being a journalist around the time that all the newspapers started being bought by, you know, three companies because I knew that that was going to destroy dying. everything. Yeah. It, it I mean, would just, my, it mm. would be horrible. We're going to go back to yellow journalism is what I said. And look, look where we are. Yes. Um, yep. And uh, I just, I just remember watching CNN and every possible thing, the way they'd report on it. Cause of course I was taught how to write and how to report things in as objective a way as possible. And they would do, you know, West Nile virus. Right. Oh my God. Don't ever go outside. Uh, mosquitoes are going to kill you, uh, tick-borne illnesses. Okay, I'm not saying these things don't exist and they're not bad, but they would amp it up so much to the point now where everything is amped up. And I'm not even saying that we shouldn't have been afraid of COVID. Yes, we should have been. 
Absolutely. We should have been more ready for it too, but yeah, because we'll get into the politics if I start that shit. But <laughs> you know, if if it's just they they make everything so so deliciously something that a person is just going to snap at, just grab. It's like it's bait. It's like they bait us every time with fear. And and oh, yeah. get people amped up and and fearful of everything, and then fearful of each other. And well, I've got a weird. I mean, it's not even that weird of a theory, but it's a theory that I I relate to my own psychological, uh, you know, hard time that I went through not even that long ago, about a year and a half ago. When I was at my most fearful was when I thought, uh, well, my house. I'm, I live in an old funeral home. Right. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. So, so I have lots of extra energy around here. People that don't see stuff, see stuff here. Right. right? And, um, and I was in a really fearful place because, um, a lot was uh, going up in the air and, um, a lot of things were, I was just really at the end of uh, like a 17, 18 year underworld journey. And it was like, you know, I was getting the whole show like the whole damn thing. And, and, um, what I came to the conclusion of during that, during that, uh, trying time was every one of my thoughts that are negative and lower vibration are, are being drawn to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I made that connection that I am a magnet when I operate on those low frequencies for all this negative energy, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw the negative energy. I felt like I was being stabbed. It was like, it was really hard. I, I didn't sleep for like a month, um, because of, I thought I was getting attacked nonstop. And, um, and as soon, and I used the pendulum and I was like, am I manifesting all this? And it was just like, yep. <laughs> it swings over to yep and then swings all the way around and smacks you in the head and then it goes back to yep <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like how how heavily can i show you that this is you um and so i i've got this theory that um the media the media like the big they um <laughs> uh, they they uh, are are giving us uh, a million reasons to be fearful, but th the consequences of that fear goes far beyond just fear, right? Mm -hmm. It goes into this: what if these this these ideas, these beliefs, even if they are complete BS, become real, and they have uh, their own realm now, or or like their mm -hmm. down whatever 117 hertz or whatever they're operating at uh, operating at um i'm i'm like kind of obsessed with this whole idea of like multiverse multiverse of like vi intersecting vibrations and and how and how we're like vessels for um either higher vibration or lower vibration um i mean i i I, I, very few people I know that are truly in harmony, like for the majority of the time, I seem to fluctuate from, you know, kind of one to the other and somewhere in between, um, with my, with my biorhythms. But I'm like, this is the most consistent I've, I've ever been in terms of like, now I've got the, 
ability to see it from a mile away and go, oh, I'm doing that thing where I, you know, mm-hmm. get carried away. And, you know, that's not positive. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You know, I've, one of the things that I've been saying for a long time, because I've been practicing witchcraft since I was 15, mm. is that what you feed is what grows. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea or a belief that you hold very strongly and you feed energy into it, that's what will grow. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, um, I, I, I grew up, my parents didn't really go to church. I, I went of my own volition to various churches trying to figure out, you know, what, what a what church I would like, and I found out I didn't really like any of them. But the last one that I went to was a fundamentalist, non-denominational, evangelical. Um, oh wow! He's yeah, it, for it. <laughs> it was it was it was edging towards cult. You know, it was mm-hmm. trying. And the thing is, is I never believed any of it. Right? right. I just I don't know if it was morbid curiosity. I don't know if it was because my best friend was going and I was worried about her. I don't know. But I did go. I went for like a year and a half. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was actually, you know, I helped, you know, build things for the church and do stuff. And, you know, I I painted their sign. And, uh, you know, they talked about Satan an awful lot. No kidding, right? And I was like, um, you know, guys, I understand that Satan is the bad dude, and we shouldn't really be focusing on him. You should really talk about Jesus, you know, because Jesus is the one that saves us, and it, it, that's, he's the one that we want to focus on. He's the one that we want our energy to go towards. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'd already been reading about witchcraft, so I had the idea of energy exchange already, and I'd right, already been right. reading, you know, Dion Fortune and all of that. So I already knew about feeding a deity with energy, right? Right. And so I was like, so let's pray to Jesus a lot, y'all. Let's, <laughs> let's just talk about Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus. But they were very concerned that that the devil was thwarting them and that they were being haunted and hunted by Satan. And they were really into this idea of witnessing. And so they would go up to people on the street in the bank at the grocery store and start telling them about Jesus, which you and I both know what's going to happen. Right. Most of the time. Right. People are going to go, uh Oh, this crazy person. I'm going to leave. Right. And every time that happened, they would say, and Satan hardened their heart against me. And I'm like, that's not Satan. But if you believe Satan's following you, you're kind of calling him. You should just ignore him and talk to Jesus. Right. (laughs) You know, that really, that that never left my mind. For all of these years, I still have in my head that, you know, Every time I see a preacher on television talking about Satan, 
I'm sitting there going, no, you're just tithing is in the next like breath probably. Oh yeah. 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 You know, oh, expel Satan from your life by sending, you know, $2,000 to the church of check collectors. Yes. The, (laughs) the, 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 uh, the money changers church, you know, um, capital bank. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's just so frustrating to me. And, and to me though, if we are putting energy towards something, that is what's going to grow. So I am constantly reminding myself and people around me that, okay, let's, let's push our thoughts and beliefs towards something else. Mm-hmm. Because who, who wants, it, G, you know, who, who wants Satan to show up at your doorstep? Nobody wants that. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, even uh, the Satanists don't want that. No, no. In fact, I, you know, I think that, in the tarot, the de- that's like the the best description of the devil that I could possibly uh, have found. And and actually, Haley, my girlfriend, is the one who just introduced me to tarot. And um, now I've got like uh, I don't do it all the time. Um, I do it when it's just like okay, I could use a little insight, you know, into what's go- what's happening here. And and that always is right on the money. And um, mm-hmm. of course, like when I heard Carl Jung is is was saying that same thing that the cards you draw will have something to tell you Mm -hmm. um, about where you're at. And, um, it's just been so right on. It's like, it's, it's not scary. And now it's just seems like now, now these, that's just like every other, every day, every other day. It was like, this is my life now, you know, everything, Mm -hmm. everything is pointing towards, uh, something that, that is, um, that is important for me to be paying attention to or, or not. But, um, when I do notice, it's usually for the right reasons. Now it's it, I'm being drawn in the right direction. I know right. that much, right? Right. You and you're putting your energy towards that direction. So, you know, again, I don't think we create our reality entirely, mm-hmm. but I do think that our beliefs, ideas, well, definitely our beliefs and ideas create reality. That's that's oh, absolutely. That's that's what our society has been it's people's beliefs and ideas put all together built into buildings and institutions and ideas of government and yeah so yeah it's not really that mystical at all if you think about it right but what's what's crazy is that most of our history is is esoteric you know mm -hmm. Uh, religion is esoteric yeah Um, spirituality is by definition, like esoteric. And so I think that when it's, it's not just like this club where, where, um, we, there's people that have visions and they get put in the Bible and then no one else has, uh, oh, yeah. visions. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that it's, it's positioned. Like if you have visions, you're crazy. And, or if you have, uh, if you've got these abilities, you're a witch or, or et cetera, et cetera. Um, that, that's really peculiar to me. Like, how how is this book that's all about visions, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, superior to people that are in current day having having these experiences that um, I could very well end up in the Bible if they got the right amount of publicity, you know? Yeah. Um, or yeah. it served an agenda, I guess. Uh, you know, I think that that might get them, you know, get them a page or two. Um, but um, I'm. I'm really curious about that, and um, 
I just heard about the fire on the mountain principle um, in the I, in the I Ching, where all these different spiritualities are looking at the same fire on the mountain and describing it as different things. Mm-hmm. And um, I really love that. Yeah, I really love that yeah. analogy. Um, and so, yeah, part of the documentary I'm working on now is is talking to people that are kind of like um, guided by um, guided by spirit in the right directions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how we might be able to change our stories around from um, projection, right, um, mm-hmm. to to this inner exploration and empowerment, and not not like listen to everything we say. This is the this is the way. It's just these are the many ways. Here's how they're all connected, and um, and uh, I could do that for the rest of my life and be completely happy. So yeah, you know yeah, um, I'm I'm like. You know, getting away from doing schools and banks and and things where um, it's just like it's using two percent of my creative abilities to to do commercial work. So I'd yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. much rather kind of you know do the storytelling thing and, and find what's find out what's interesting out there. Yeah, I, I think that's that's good, and you're also encouraging people to essentially follow in your footsteps by changing their stories, turning it around, telling other people's stories. That's one thing I, I've, I've noticed a lot recently, too, is there is so much movement in positive directions that a lot of people don't even know about. Um, I, one, of the, one of the things that I saw today, and I'm not going to have the the... Uh, singer's full name because I glanced at it mm-hmm. and then went back to editing. So I know her first <laughs> name is Julie. Um, but in Canada, a popular singer whose first name is Julie was singing the national anthem, O Canada. Mm. And she changed one word, one line. And it's, you know, we dwell in this land and she said we dwell on native land wow she's african she was she was Mm african-canadian she she changed that one word and it went viral and it went everywhere wow i gotta check that out and she was honored by first peoples in a ceremony and she said as she was accepting the honor, she said, I had no idea how big that one thing I did would become. But the government of Canada is considering changing the anthem. Wow. So that they are recognizing they are living on native land. It's really, I was blown away. I was completely blown away by that. That is incredible. I just, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, I wish I remember her last name, but I'll put it in the show notes, y'all. I'll look it up. (laughs) I'm sure we can find it pretty easy. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing that keeps coming up uh, with my conversations with uh, these different tribes is that... um, they they um, obviously have had generations and generations of uh, of their culture being decimated and by guess who um, yeah you know a lot of uh, a lot of forceful uh, religious uh, entities under 
one particular title. Um, but I, I think that what, what they're getting back to now is that sense of community, um, and, and reintegrating their rituals. Um, but when their parents, uh, some of their parents come to these, uh, rituals, they really still feel like they're like, uh, committing sins. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, be, and, and that's so just heartbreaking to me that, that, that it was almost completely successful and, yeah. and, um, and decimating an entire culture and thousands of thousands of years of honoring, um, honoring that practice and honoring their, their rituals of, of the seasons change and, and the upcoming growing season and, um, dealing with becoming an adult and um, our rituals in America are like prom and getting your license, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's it's just it's so much more um, connected with the earth and that energy. Um, I'm just and so to hear them talk about it, to hear to hear them talk about how their parents treated them about when they were crying. I mean, their their parents would say, you know, don't cry around here. You know, like take that to your room. Like we don't have any room for that. When wow. that really was never part of their culture, that attitude towards emotion and having and feeling, mm-hmm. and um, and as a product of like the early '80s, um, I got quite a bit of that as a as a as a guy. It was be a man and mm-hmm. and like you know kick butt and uh, you know if someone talks down to you, just you know, start swinging. And, um, and so I, I like for, for me, I'm just like looking at all this, this way of, that we've been pitted against each other and, um, and where that's come from. Um, and, um, it's really no accident that, that, uh, we've ended up where we ended up. And I think, and I, I like part of, part of me believes that, um, if we are here for lessons, Right. If we are here to to go through this crash course in soul uh, um, growth, then um, who's to say that the major uh, the major crap storm that we've been in um, isn't isn't destiny too? Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't isn't part of the whole thing? Part of the equation? Um, you know, the bigger, the, the bigger, the problem in the world or the bigger, the problems than the, uh, the bigger, the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying for years, um, I, I, I was born in 1965. So halfway through the sixties, although I was in West Virginia, so it was still the fifties, um, (laughs) because everything moved slowly there. So there were, there were times when my, my parents were really acting like that the 1950s, you know, um, mm. it was really weird. Um, so I grew up in the 1960s and seventies and, you know, there was a lot of that stiff upper lip, you know, I'll give you a reason to cry, corporal punishment, <laughs> you know, all of those things. And it just didn't work on me. Right. I don't know if it doesn't just work, doesn't work on anybody. I'm pretty sure that's that's probably part of it, <laughs> that it just doesn't. It just didn't work on me. I refused. You know, I would quietly refuse. Nope, not going to do it. Nope, don't care. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Right. And, uh, you know, 
things like I would witness one of my friends being physically abused at their home. And I'd tell my mom, wow. what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to tell your mom, right? Right, right. So I'd, I'd tell my mom. And she was like, oh, that didn't happen. You know, it was always oh, gaslighting. Wow. Right. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And I'm like, you know, well. It's cognitive, like, dissonance or, mm -hmm. or yeah, yeah, just like, I'm going to put that put that in a bucket of never even investigate. <laughs> yep. I, I, let me get back to, um, I think, what was going on with these synchronicities, right? So, right. Um, yeah, so um, synchronicity storm all in this one week in November of 2022. And um, I was, I was like busy and I'd been working way too much as a video producer and I was burnt out. My soul was just like, why are you doing this? Stop doing this. <laughs> And, um, and write some songs like, you know, do your art. And, um, it's, and that's, that's the one thing I had to find a lot of courage, um, in myself to like, to stop saying yes to money and just say yes to uncertainty, you know, mm -hmm. like knowing that this is going to work itself out because this is what I'm meant to do. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and since I made that hard, drawn that like hard line in the sand, um, it's really opened up my life unimaginably, you know, um, in, in a way that, um, I, I'm surrounded now by people that I really, really respect, like people that are, uh, you know, in, uh, in my opinion, standing on the shoulders of like Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and they're listening to me and we're, we're having great conversations and I'm just like, what, you know, yeah. two years ago, I was a crazy person, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, uh, and I didn't feel like I had a, a person to talk to about this stuff. And now my life is filled with them. Yeah. Right. It's like, Wow this is really exciting stuff. And, um, and so I'm just following that and, uh, I'm going to Spain with Haley for like a month, uh, month. And, uh, we're, we're going to like the Kabbalah garden in Girona and these ancient Esclepian dream caves and interviewing nice. people. And, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're going to be starting a podcast and, um, we're kind of in the R and D phase of the whole thing. And, um, but I think I can say that, uh, because I've, uh, pretty much locked down the trademark on it. Um, it's, uh, remembering the soul is going to be the name of nice. uh, this documentary and, and also the podcast. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm hoping Haley and I will be doing that together. And, um, I know she's going to be thrilled to listen to this episode because she's a massive fan of yours and, uh, and, and she's a fan of mine too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really glad that she actually, she's the one that introduced me to podcasts in general. Like I, right. I, uh, I had no idea. I, you know, I, I knew that podcasts were a thing. Um, and once I started listening to it, I was like, wow, this long format, it really works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. get, go deep, go weird, get, you know, go to places mm -hmm. where, um, cause this is what I look for as a video producer. I look for these natural flowing conversations um and it's a hard place to get to when you're like okay never never been on a camera before go oh yeah right i mean i i did work on a a, a documentary for a couple years and uh it's terrible it's, it's hard terrible. work yeah um 
I interviewed people, but I wasn't on camera. Right. Um, until I was on camera. Oh my God. It was mm. awful. It was, <laughs> it was just, uh, I, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I don't understand how, you know, actors can do it with the camera coming right up into their faces. Yeah. <laughs> Those extreme close up shots. I, uh, it's an, that is an art form act. And I didn't, I didn't really have a full respect for it until I had to put myself on camera and tell stories and be natural, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the hard part. Yeah. Is, um, I can write and I can say what I wrote, but having it come out authentically, um, mm -hmm. it's a whole other thing and yeah. um, it needs to be authentic. You need to put it out there as in your essence. Mm -hmm. And you're lucky to get there if you've been filming for 15 minutes and you go off on a tangent and that's when the person starts coming alive if you're, yeah. if, if you're yeah. in a good flow. So, um, yeah, that's part of why I ask questions the way I do was my experience on the documentary, getting people to just start telling me their stories without me having to interrupt with questions, just, mm -hmm. you know, getting them to go and having someone to look at that wasn't the camera actually helps a lot oh tremendously yeah. so you know they're right uh, right yeah. like 10 degrees or 15 yep. degrees from and that's lens. how we did it that was exactly how we did it and it it really did work um and that, so that's why you know i ask really open-ended questions and just let people talk as much as possible you know and then we get into this conversational flow and then things happen you know, I think we did, I think we did like three, maybe four podcasts that were scripted early on mm -hmm. and, and none of us really loved it. It, it, it just right. didn't, it just didn't work. There's know? like a little, I think the, uh, you go into, you go into art with an idea of what you might want to do. Right. Yeah. And, and if you're, if, if it takes over, if the art takes over, then you are really on to creating something. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but you don't know really where, where it's going to end up. And yeah. like the best poetry, the best, um, you know, painting too, of course, any art form, right. Mm -hmm. Um, once, once the art takes control and you are just experiencing with creation, um, that's another aspect of, of, uh, the documentary I'd love to get into is like, what is inspiration? What and where does how are where we? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Where does where? Do, I mean, because I've had uh, I've had some moments at like three in the morning where I just get one line in my head and I write it down and then it's just done. Pours like the whole out. Thing is pours out, and yeah. I read it after, and I have no idea what it means until like two months later when something happens in my life where I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like my soul was, or whatever, my daemon um, was way ahead of me on this. Yeah. It was giving me some insights into what's going on in yeah. there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love, the, <coughs> I love uh, looking at inspiration. Um, as, you know, I, as I've started painting and, and doing different mixed media art and um, oh, I love your stuff, by digital the way. art. Thank you. I do still wonder where images come from, you know, 
I've been drawing single eyes forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. Like, since I was a kid. Like, that, that, sh- that two shapes, a circle with an ellipse mm-hmm. around it. I've been drawing that over and over and over. Why? Don't know. Don't know. It's Maybe just you're there. creating like a little portal. Yeah. You know, for something, for some inspiration to come through. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. You know, it's, and it's interesting that, you know, I was, I was under the impression that I couldn't draw particularly. And then, you know, Zach pointed out everybody can draw. It's right. actually a skill um, and you get better at it. It's basically, <laughs> you know, you have the ability to see the things. Right. But you just need your hand to do what you see. You just exactly. The two, he was like, he was like, look, everybody knew how to draw a hundred and some years ago before there was pho- photography. Everybody could draw to, to a certain extent. And people mm-hmm. were taught in school how to draw because how else were you going to tell somebody what you saw if you couldn't at least, you know, sketch it out roughly? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I didn't think about that. So, yeah. So now, you know, I can draw and it is work, but absolutely, that's not the part where the inspiration is. Exactly. Yeah. The inspiration comes in color and form and formlessness and concept i still don't know where that comes from and also struggle too you know yeah yeah like sitting sitting through the struggle um or at least um abandoning it and returning to it if that if that is yeah that is the case too right going like i've done that i've done that a lot oh and, and you have to um i think if you're practicing uh, that meditation that is creation, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're not going to be able to just get there every single time, um, no. you know? And, but I mean, you can, you can work on honing it to the point where you can drop, drop yourself away and the agenda. And that's the main part that I've realized in doing this my whole life too, is that if I have an agenda going into it, that's coming at all for my ego, right? Where it's yeah. like, if I do this, people are going to think I'm a badass <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah. something like that. It's like usually trips over itself and falls flat on its face. You know, that, that creation, particular creation. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my experience with it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do have to, you do have to let go of the ego part. Mm-hmm. It's like when I could sit in the woods and feel the woods and, mm see all the little details of the woods. I think it's the same kind of flow state. I I also tie it back to childhood. When I'm in that flow state, I feel that. I feel that sense of like wonder and awe that I felt when I was a kid. Yeah. I have yeah. like I feel like we're much more uh open at that point. Mm-hmm. And and um that openness is where it's at. I think. Yeah. I think that's where you you can communicate your soul, your little bit of soul can communicate with all the big soul out there or other little souls and can sort of channel that through yourself in the act of creation. So I think that's, again, it comes back to soul. It just does. It does. 
And uh, and I've had arguments with people on Facebook about the whether it exists or not. And I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, how could it? Well, it's just not logical. And I'm just like, well, there's like, uh, I don't know, 12,000 years of salt. So <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about it for this long. Yeah, I know. It's like even scientists still use the word. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know. that's like, you know, go to the Robert Monroe Institute and talk to those people. They're scientists. They understand. You know, I, yeah, people arguing about whether a soul does or does not exist to me is like. It's cringy to me. Yeah, uh, it, it's, yeah. I, I, it makes me feel weird. But it also, I, I understand why that conclusion has come to, given, mm-hmm. given the variety of uh, um intellectual like substance out there so yeah well there it okay so if you talk about souls sometimes people think that you're crazy mm-hmm. because you know you're talking about heaven and hell death birth rebirth you're talking about all of these concepts you know that are very very woo and mm-hmm. very very not scientific but you know people don't seem to realize that there are lots of scientists who know darn good and well about souls right and who have a very spiritual look on life and i'm talking about the guys who built the creation museum um who, (laughs) who have you know who say that humans and dinosaurs were frolicking about that's not what that's not the kind of scientist i'm talking about I'm talking about physicists right you know the ones who Quantum have told us too. yeah have told us hey uh that desk that you're leaning on right now isn't really solid you know? right yeah it's just a tighter vibration yep and it just makes it seem solid you know and so these guys if you look at their biographies if you read what they said they they talked about souls and they also talk about the, the honestly about the shortcomings of science and not being like the complete picture right yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, there's it's a things for, yeah it can't do a, there are things it cannot do right it, it's we don't have a technology yet that can measure a soul right locate it yeah we don't have you know, a sensor that can, you know, like a tricorder can just sort of beam out and go, hey, there's a soul right there. Boom, right there. Besides, it's probably not physical and, and you know, I think uh, there we technology need a- is not really good at not physical. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's zeros and ones and squares, basically. Yeah. And, and I think that... Uh, I think that we need to maintain a certain level of uh, mystery um, because I don't think I think that once we if we do start getting like, say, we do get close to the ultimate answers of the universe, which I don't think is ever going to happen in this. No, because there will always be more questions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think we're in any danger of that happening, but I think that if it did, it would be like, okay, we're pulling the plug now. Humanity's gone. You know, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody figured it all out. <laughs> I don't think that's even possible, but um, yeah. 
um, anyway, I think we're, you know, we're probably due for, uh, due for something interesting here in the next couple days, um, or a week or whatever. Um, I'm just hoping my Spain trip is like, you know, unimpeded. <laughs> so when is that happening? Uh, for my 40th birthday, September 21st. Nice. Oh, that's another weird thing. I oh, that's my on... husband's birthday. No way. Yeah. It's Zach's birthday. No kidding. Yeah. That is weird. That wasn't even the weird thing I was about to say. Um, my brother was born on, on the autumnal equinox. Oh, I was born on the autumnal equinox. My brother's born on the vernal equinox a year and a half to the day. Um, and, um, and him and I are like, he's practical. I'm in woo. Right. Um, and like somewhere in the woo woo <laughs> and, um, uh, he's, he's starting to open up to this like kind of way of thinking too. So, you know, world's world is changing. I can tell you. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's been changing ever since, well, ever since it was, conceived of you know ever <laughs> yep. since the beginning it's always been changing and it always will so you know i'm i'm glad we're along for the ride mm-hmm. me too we'll get to learn new things see new things experience new things mm-hmm. we didn't grow up in a mundane time of uh, humanity so um there's that there's that also i think that there never has been or never will be a mundane time for humanity. True. Yeah, I can't. I've read uh, too much history. I, there's yeah, just exactly. no way. It's always, you know, there's always something happening somewhere in the world that's interesting. Right. We I can't don't think escape we've, it. we've had maybe seven seconds of like world peace, if that. Yeah, or, yeah, um, maybe. Th- maybe. <laughs> there was Pax Romana, but th- that was peace through oppression. So it's not really right. peace. <laughs> Sorry, Romans, you don't get to claim that. No. Well, you know, we have been talking for two hours, so okay. we should maybe maybe think about, you know, slowing down a little bit. Um, okay. Thank you. And oh, thank you, Barbara. This has been great. Yeah. I want you to come back because I do, you know, if you want to talk about the, the underworld journey, I actually think that's good for people to hear uh, you know, and I'm, understand. I'm- that's that's where I can get actually pretty specific about um, about how I started to understand um, things that things that were detrimental to my my health, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I do I think you're right. I think that that's that's something I'd like to dig into. So I appreciate you asking me to be back. Come back. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. (laughs) 